friend. Talk radio. Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Mamma mia. Yeah. Mamma mia. Burns, Burns, pass behind Meyer, who was alone in front. Pavelski away. Give it to Thornton. He'll shoot. Let's go. February 22nd, I am Brutes Pataglia of Puck77.com. And I'm uh, James Cole of Puck77.com. <laughs> get it. loud, folks. There it is. Get, get loud. Get hyped. Welcome. Oh, fuck yeah. Look at look at the meter. It's like shooting up now. You're through the roof. Woo! Yep. <laughs> um, how was your trip? That was good. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. Not a, not a lull in the uh, in the weekend. It was, it was go, go, go. Fantastic. Um... Uh, Lots of booze, lots of food, and uh, the Arkells were uh, superb. Maybe this is what you needed, was this little getaway to like recharge <laughs> you, because you seem full of energy now. I'm a new you know, man! I'm, I'm the opposite. Like Sometimes I get back from vacation, and it's like, I gotta stay home for like a day or two after the vacation to like be sad about the fact that I'm not on vacation okay. anymore. Okay. So like it does recharge me, I guess, in like the... The now, the the shorter term, long run, I guess. Okay. Like by the end of the first week, I'm still, I'm good to go. I'm refreshed. Nice. But yeah, you seem, yeah, you seem revitalized. This is good. Uh, yeah. No, February's was... almost done. Like we're yeah. almost March time. March yeah. is a good month too. So like you can't get the depression you know. out of the way here, and uh, you know we're we're good to go. The, <laughs> the se- yeah, get that seasonal depression behind you, yeah. and everything's everything's good. That's why I like going to Winnipeg that same St. Patrick's Day weekend in March. Um, is because that's that's kind of when the weather starts to like, like get its shit together. Yeah. So like we go we go watch these games, we have a good time, we come back, and the weather's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then it's like Mar fucking March Madness. It's like instant, everything's good. Boom. Seasonal depression cured. Boom. There's the solution. I did uh, I did have a little uh, hockey experience while I was uh, while I was away. I went oh, okay. and uh, I caught a couple periods uh, of the of the Marlies game. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, so funny story. We just had nothing to do between like checking out and our flight. So. I thought let's let's oh, you know yeah. they're they're playing one of their few games at Scotia Bank and we were right near there so we we went it was twenty bucks who they play uh, they played the Syracuse Crunch that was so that was going to be my guess because I knew it was Tampa Bay's minor team ah. I couldn't remember what they were called ah I I was going to say Syracuse Crunch but I didn't know if that was actually like a arena football league team okay so uh, so Casmir uh, Kaskukapakuku Casmir sure Casmir. Uh, he get, he got pulled in the first uh, five minutes. Oh yeah, that was they won five three. I don't yeah. know how I know that. Mike, Actually, I know how I know that. But you tell your story. Mike Hutchinson goes in net, right? Nice to see you know an NHL player. Uh, you know, um, big Hutch. You got to see Sandine. I got to see Logren. You know, uh, was Marty Marinchin in the lineup? Uh, no, no Marty Marinchin. Uh, Trevor Moore was playing though. He was by far the best. Was player Marty Marinchin hurt? I don't know. Because he played, so that leads me to my thing. I was getting ready for work this morning, and the Marlies played at like 11 a.m. on TSN. Huh. 
Yeah. That's why. But anyway, Marty Marincin was in the lineup today, so nice. that's why I was like, I was wondering. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. Healthy scratch, I guess. That's probably not a good sign <laughs> he, for the career, but he probably was hurt. But yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. I don't know um, if a guy that almost gets an NHL lineups like struggles to get an AHL lineups. Do you think that happens? Yeah, you'd hope not. Unless you're Josh Hosang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Shit. So, uh, so yeah, we, we ended up, uh, we, we can only stay for two periods because we had to catch our flight there, but uh, we leave and it's it's three to one crunch. And we're like, ah, that's that's too bad. Oh, fuck, you didn't even see the So we get, to the, uh, we get to the airport, <laughs> I check the phone, uh, four goal third period yeah. for the Marlies, and uh, that's that's my hockey talk for the weekend. So uh, who, I'm trying to think who got those two goals to tie the game. Adam Brooks. Yeah, he yeah. got Because, again, them. they yeah. were showing the highlights from their most recent game. I was listening to Todd Crocker and, and Bob McGill before I went to work okay. today. It was kind okay. of a weird weird morning. I saw a- AHL defensive uh, point leader Kelly Rosen scored. Nice. So, He's sick. See you next year. I'm a big fan of Kelly Rosen. Yeah. 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 Leafs prospect, for those of you who don't know. Come. And uh, welcome to the Toronto Maple Leafs prospect edition of the podcast. <laughs> the Marley's cast. <laughs> no, we, um, uh, listen, uh, you guys... You guys love it when we talk about other bullshit on the podcast. I know you do, but this is a pretty hockey-heavy week, so we're going to kind of just have to shoot right into it here and and, and really get to it. Um, the one thing I will say is just to kind of preface this episode is we are obviously have done our deadline preview episode. We will do our deadline recap after the deadline, but this is not going to be much of a deadline-heavy what-do-you-do-at-the-deadline kind of uh, shows. Because we got a lot of uh, topics to get to. Some are funny. Some are not so funny. Some are kind of sad. But we'll, uh, we're we're going to go through the week of hockey events as they happened. And uh, there will be highs, there will be lows. And there you Tears, have... Tears, there will be laughs. There you have my opening statement. Um, The lead. I forgot the lead. What's the lead? Ah, we have some breaking news while we're recording the podcast. Because, uh... We record on Wednesday evenings. We normally record later, but James has some family in town. So we're doing kind of a, a, a dinner time recording tonight. The Boston Bruins have acquired Charlie Coyle from the Minnesota Wild in exchange for Ryan Donato and I believe it was a fifth round pick. That's that's what Bob McKenzie is reporting, is it yes. A, it's just a fifth round pick? That's what it says okay. here, yeah. Details to come. Was, so. Okay, I was just curious if it was conditional or what. Um, so... What what do you think? Because I haven't really we haven't really had a lot of time to like look into the deep underlying numbers of this, but this is really good for Minnesota. No, I don't know. Uh, our 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 buddy that's a Wild fan doesn't seem to like it too much uh, based on his uh, Twitter reaction. Yeah, but, but he likes Charlie Coyle. So do I. And like I'll come out and say that. So I, do I. I There's like nothing it. wrong with him, but he's yeah. not good. Yeah, uh, he's a yeah. decent third line player. I guess so. He's nothing special. Ryan Donato is potentially like a top six forward in the National Hockey League. Like a lot of people seem to think, is a slam dunk top six forward in the National Hockey League. The problem is, is he's been given that opportunity, and he hasn't really like rel- like flourished in it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Last year he was phenomenal when they called him up. The kid was ridiculous. He couldn't keep him off the scoreboard. Um, then in the playoffs, he couldn't keep him on the ice. And then this year he played 34 games, 9 points, and has been playing for the Providence Bruins for a while. I, I don't know. I, I think this is a like a unbelievable move for Minnesota. Because I don't think... Here's, here's the problem for me. Is 
Whether or not Charlie Coyle goes to Boston, revitalizes his career, becomes the player that a lot of people thought he was supposed to be, you know, that's one thing. But he was never going to become that player in Minnesota. Like, we've talked about it on the podcast previous weeks where, like, you almost overstay your welcome with your team in a sense where you just get into this rut and it's impossible to really get yourself out of it. You need a change of scenery. Montreal with Galchenyuk. Um, you know, fucking, uh, even like to an extent, that was why Eberly got moved from Edmonton. It happens often where these guys just aren't in the right system or have some bad games and it festers and it never gets better. And sometimes you see them get dealt and they're better off. And that might be what happens here to Charlie Coyle. But my point is it was never going to happen in Minnesota. So the fact that you get a potential, very good player in Ryan Donato, I think is a slam dunk win for them. Yeah, I mean, I I guess time will kind of tell because like Coyle, you know, you can you know what you're getting out of him, and you know where he can he where, where he's going to fit in the lineup. Yeah, he's a physical body. Uh, he plays that kind of game. I, I think the I think the Bruins and and Bruce Cassidy are going to really get a lot out of him. Um, unfortunately, his playoff numbers haven't been too great. So if they're if this is their like you know what I mean, this is their one and done. Now we're set. This is our, our playoff roster. I don't know if that's what you want to end your your deadline with. I don't imagine they're done. Yeah, I, I have a hard time imagining it. It's gonna be tough to add more though, because you know, at a point, what do they have left to, you know, trade off that isn't, you know, in their eyes essential to their to their season. See, and that, well, not even just essential to their season, but to their future, because they have a pretty decent prospect pool. I think it's deep enough that they can dive into it more if they have to. But A, to what extent do you want to do that? Like, do you want to just keep trying to fill the cupboards, but you don't have picks left to fill it with? Like, you know what I mean? Are you just going to keep this vicious cycle going? You're going to end up like the Leafs of early 2000s in a few years. Uh, It's interesting to me because Coyle has another year on his contract at a very friendly deal at 3.2. So, to me, this is something that really, really helps Boston next year if Coyle finds his game in Boston. Um, If he doesn't, it's a low-risk acquisition in its cap implications. But to me, they gave up their best young player. So I'm kind of torn. Like, I mean, uh, like I don't count McAvoy. But they gave up their best non-NHL player to me. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's a bit steep. I think Coyle's going to fit there. There's no question to me Charlie Coyle's an NHL forward. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be out of the league soon. But it's a matter of what they get out of him. At his actual probably worst, he's a third or fourth line winger. I don't know if we've ever seen fourth line bad out of him, but I guess that could he could get worse. Yeah, um, he plays the game in a, in a way where his body won't hold up eventually, and you know he might end up in that in that position someday. But I don't know. For me, I'm 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 more more curious about what Minnesota's angle is here because Donato, yeah, he could definitely be a top six forward uh, at worst he's probably a bottom six forward uh you toss in a, a draft pick okay that's fine but this is uh this is a team that's currently got one of the two wild card spots that are heavily sought after at the moment um a slim one point lead in the standings what is this signaling are do, do they think they're done they've only got one win in their last 10 games um they're looking behind them in the rearview mirror. They, they're they're seeing the the Avs, the Coyotes, uh, the Blackhawks, the Vancouver, even Anaheim. I guess is kind of still in it. Like, 
do they do they see what's coming and say if we don't sell now, maybe we don't sell at all, or do you think they're still trying to make the playoffs here? Well, I think I think it's a year like even if they do make the playoffs, it's kind of interesting, right? Like anyone can make the playoffs, and once you get there, anything can happen. I do believe that, but I will argue that this is one of those years where that last team to make the playoffs in the West is <laughs> is going to get fucking massacred by whoever they play in the first round. And so I understand Minnesota's perspective here because I think Minnesota is arguably just as fine, if not better off, without Charlie Coyle. And I think they can still make the playoffs while adding... Like, to me, Ryan Donato is just one of those players, though. And this is maybe where we differ and where other people are going to kind of differ. I think Ryan Donato is one of those players. If the Bruins want to give him to you for Charlie Coyle, you have to say yes. If you're leading the division and you think it maybe makes you worse now, that's one thing. But if you're barely going to squeak into the playoffs and that he's arguably going to be better off than what you were getting out of Charlie Coyle right now, you have to say yes to the deal. Because if I, if I found out that the Leafs got offered fucking Ryan Donato for, well, I mean, I guess Nikita Zaitsev's worse than Charlie Coyle, but like, you know what I mean? Say a lesser... Uh, Connor Brown. Bootleg. Sure. Yeah, I guess that's pretty comparable. It's close. Still rather have Charlie Coyle, but... Yeah. Okay. Um, you have to take the deal. Like, I'd be pissed at Kyle Dubas if I found out that the Leafs were getting offered bootleg Ryan Donato for fucking Nikita Zaitsev, and they didn't take it. Yeah. And even though it puts a hole, maybe, in certain aspects of your lineup, I'd rather take the chance that Ryan Donato's going to fit in now. And if he doesn't, fine. But he probably fits in next year. He's probably a good piece for the future. To me, I, I love this for Minnesota. But, I mean, there is that aspect where Ryan Donato could be a dust. Or a dust. He might be, a, he might be dusty. Real dusty. And I might be wrong. Uh, I don't know. And there's no way to know, and that's kind of what this deal's going to boil down to. There's no way to say who won the deal right now. It's going to have to be revisited in probably three to five years. But, I don't know. Yeah. I, I really like it. I think it's I think it's great. And, and Quell gets to go home and play uh, in front of the you know, Massachusetts uh, faithful. So. Yeah. Where's, where's Donato from? Also Massachusetts, yeah. I think. That yeah. sucks. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, I'm looking at Charlie Coyle. Ryan Donato. I think he's also from Massachusetts. I think so. Though. I think he was born when his dad, Tep, was playing there. Teddy. Teddy Donnie. Ryan Donato is from... Southie? Is he from Southie? Oh, he's literally from Boston. <laughs> Shitty deal. <laughs> but what are you going to do? I don't know. Maybe, honestly, he might go to Minnesota and light it up because now he doesn't have the pressure of being a hometown kid. Yeah, maybe. He's going to get 41 points in the next 30 games and the Minnesota Wild are going to make the playoffs. Could you imagine... No. <laughs> Could you imagine that, though? No? No. No? No, I can't. <laughs> That'd be unbelievable. I would love it. Go Minnesota. I'm down. Fuck it. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there, but the Minnesota Wild make a deal, Charlie Coyle, uh, to the Boston Bruins in exchange for Ryan Donato in a fifth-round pick. We have some waivers news, which I'm sure is kind of throwing you off that we're talking about that second in the podcast, but um, one is interesting and one is just friend of the show mentioned. So I will mention that uh, our boy Mike McKenna, possibly done with the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh boy. They placed him on waivers this afternoon. And uh, we'll see if that means that he's going to the... Fuck, who is their minor team now? Adirondack? Lay Valley? Lay High Valley? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. The Phantoms. Somewhere. They're they're definitely the Phantoms still. Yeah. 
Okay, so he got sent to the Phantoms of the American Hockey League. Uh, if he passes through waivers, he, I'm sure, will report. If he doesn't pass through waivers, would it be hilarious if he went back to the Vancouver Canucks because they have such a goaltending problem? <laughs> yeah, like you, I don't know how healthy those guys that were hurt in Vancouver are now at this point, but you don't want to find yourself in that position again. As I just mentioned, they're a point out of the playoffs right now. Like they can't, they can't risk having to call up the nineteen-year-old uh, and and lose a few games mm-hmm. because you know they don't have somebody they can th- throw on the bench. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I mean, you'd hate to put in Michael DiPietro for the first round of the playoffs in Vancouver, and it gets lit. Yeah. And it's like you might have just ruined the yeah. future of your net. Kidding. I mean, like we say that they also have Thatcher Demko, who I think is possibly going to be a better goalie, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But one team I would like to see claim Mike McKenna is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Because as you mentioned, Casimir Kaskisuo is way too close to the National Hockey League being a reality. Yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I would. I'd be fine if, like, well, I wouldn't be fine, but, like, say Anderson gets hurt and then Sparks gets hurt and Hutch is looking a little sketchy. Eh, fuck, throw Mike McKenna in for a game. Like, he's not sure. bad. Yeah. Whatever. He's I don't, not great. I'd almost rather see them, you know, when, when the college season ends, just call up Joseph Wall out of Boston Joey U. Wall, true. And, like, just, all right, speaking, sorry, it's better speaking than Casimir. Of, speaking of throwing in 18-year-old goaltenders in the net, we could call up Ian Scott. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay for the Leafs to do it. It's not okay for Vancouver to do it. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Because it's a much nicer market in Toronto. Everyone's more friendly. Um, The other waiver victim, which I thought was kind of interesting, I don't blame them, but I think it's really kind of... It just sucks, is Patrick Eves, uh, who got placed on waivers by the Anaheim Ducks. Now, if if you're surprised Patrick Eves is on waivers, it's probably because you didn't know Patrick Eves is still in the National Hockey League. Um... And I will give you a little bit of background there. So, Patrick Eves... Patrick Eves played two games last year. And has appeared in seven games this year for the Anaheim Ducks. This is all since signing a three-year, I believe, $9.75 million deal with the with the Anaheim Ducks. If you're wondering why he got signed to that deal, it's because two years ago, Patrick Eves scored 32 goals as a power play genius at the time it looked like like the guy could just score from anywhere on the power play he was it was it was it was like Thomas Holmstrom if Thomas Holmstrom could shoot and he he had a career year I mean he's obviously a longtime NHLer but if you can get 30 goals out of a guy who's a legitimate penalty killer like that was obviously a big deal so the Ducks signed him to an extension and I probably would have done the same thing although maybe not as long but you do what you got to do um in in October of last year, because as I mentioned, he only played two games, uh, he went out of the lineup. They weren't really sure why. It was kind of like a day-to-day thing. And he was experiencing a lot of trouble breathing and weakness in his legs, and no one was really sure what that was. So he ended up getting diagnosed with a condition called, well, he was initially diagnosed with a condition called Guillain-Barr Syndrome. Mm-hmm. Guillaume Barre syndrome, mm-hmm. some GB syndrome, <laughs> and um, he went to go see a specialist, and then was afterwards diagnosed 
with post-viral syndrome. Basically, Patrick Eves had some very serious health concerns in 2017-2018, to the point where I remember when he initially went out of the lineup and got diagnosed with this GB syndrome, that most people were not concerned if he would ever play again. It was actually whether or not he was going to, like, live a normal life anymore. And I, I, I can't remember if there was, like, a fatality concern or not, but I, I felt like it was going to be, like, drastically changing to his life. He's overcome these issues, but the problem is that now Patrick Eves is a year and a half having not played hockey, because once he was good enough to come back, he then suffered a lower body injury during his training, and then missed this year, up to this point. So, it's... What I will say is it's not like the NFL. It's not like other sports where if you don't play for like a year and a half, two years, especially even if you're sick, like guys who sit out a year in hockey, like look at William Nylander. The guy was practicing and everything and working hard and then he comes back and he's terrible for like a month and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, Patrick Eves was sick and he's in his 30s. To try and come back, it's going to be very difficult. And basically my point is that it's a very unfortunate situation for Patrick Eves. Now, you know, he got his contract, he got paid for his big year, but obviously this is a heart and soul kind of guy who wants to play hockey. I love Patrick Eves. Like, I think he's great. Um, And it's really kind of just disheartening to see a guy have to deal with this shit. So he's on waivers. Now, is he on waivers for purpose of buyout or just be sent down? I don't think you can buy out guys in the middle of the season anymore. I think they did away with that the last CBA. Okay. Um, The only way you can is like a mutual termination of a contract, which there would be no reason for Patrick Eves to want to terminate this contract. Yeah. So, uh, as far as my understanding is, he's going to get assigned to the Grand Rapids Gulls where he was, or Grand Rapids Gulls, San Diego Gulls, where he was a few weeks ago before he came back to the Anaheim Ducks. He was rehabbing there. Um, he's because he, he did pass through waivers. This happened yesterday, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Patrick Eves. It's going to be really difficult to find him another home in the National Hockey League. Um, what we're kind of hoping for, I guess, at this point, is that he can go on a tear in San Diego and maybe gets another chance with the Ducks later in the year, when you know maybe they've parceled off some of their roster in the next few days and freed up some lineup spots for yeah, him. Yeah, he he might find himself back up once they're eliminated from, you know, maybe the race. Sure. Bob I mean, Murray can stop convincing himself that he's in this. If he has a good run, like it's going to be interesting to see how good he does because I mean, if he does really well in the American Hockey League, which granted I um, I'll say we're going out on a limb saying that. But if he does really well, do you want to not play him in the National Hockey League to protect him to have him ready for next year? Like how It depends how good he actually does, I would say. Um, but it, it, there's no doubt it's going to be difficult for him. And obviously, we wish him the best here at Laced Up Hockey because, uh, as I said, I'm a big Patrick Eves guy. And it's, it's really tough to see a guy who's fought really hard his entire career to, to stay in and stay involved kind of have to go through that. Yeah. And so, I don't know if you have anything to add, but... I think you summed it up quite well. I just, you know, I, I, he's kind of one of those guys that you kind of like, oh, he's on waivers. And mm-hmm. you, you not necessarily forgot about him, but he just maybe, like, I didn't realize that he'd only played so few games this season. Like, mm-hmm. I know he was hurt, but I kind of thought he was just middling around there in the Ducks, like, fourth line all season, kind of long, putting along, and, you know, it's too bad. 
Yeah. See, and like I was the opposite too. Like I didn't, I didn't realize when they put him on waivers that he had played at all this year. I thought he was still on the IR. Hmm. So like I, I'm like, how do you, how do you fucking place a guy on waivers when he's hurt? You're gonna, you <laughs> you're, scumbags. You are going to get a grievance the size of Anaheim. Let me tell you. We wish Patrick Eves the best in his recovery efforts because uh, it's uh, it definitely looks like a long road ahead, and, and you do wonder if, if maybe he's done. He's 34, cap hit at 3.15, so it's going to be difficult to find him a home. Uh, Ottawa could go back to Ottawa. <laughs> they need to meet the cap. That'd be amazing. Could you imagine Patrick Eves going to the Ottawa Senators next year and scoring like 25 goals, winning the Masterton Trophy? I can, but... Oh, I, I thought you were going to say no. I don't think it'll happen, no. but it'd be, it'd be so really cool. That's more likely than Ryan Donato getting 41. What would you say is more likely? Patrick Eves getting 25 goals as a member of the Ottawa Senators next year, or Ryan Donato getting 41 points in 30 games the rest of the year? But there's e- not 30 e- games next left, year. so it's not... Yeah. yeah. I don't even think it can happen, because there's not 30 games left. No. Shit. Yeah. Well, that's fair. That's why, that's why you say no. what, how about 41 points next season? In the whole season? Yeah. You don't think Ryan Donato can do that? Yeah. Nine points in no, 12 not, games as a rookie last year in Boston. Yeah. I don't know. In Minnesota? Like, they're not exactly known for their high-scoring uh, offense. Yeah, it's not <laughs> like he's going to be playing with their franchise centerman, Victor Rask, next year. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, fuck. Because at least, at least if Eves goes to Ottawa, you know, he's getting top-line minutes next to Mark oh. Stone. <laughs> That's a liberty to say he'll still be there, but oh, yeah. Well. well, I mean, the other thing is too is they both play the right side, so Eves would be second line. <laughs> oh boy, uh, maybe Eves can play center. We'll see. Uh, speaking of deadline names and interesting, this is kind of the the this is the interesting topic I think this week. For those of you who didn't hear, John Tortorella is in the news again, and he made some comments last night during their game in Montreal. I'm guessing thought so okay they played montreal artemi panarin didn't play made the trip didn't play uh for what the blue Jackets said was an illness and what john tortorella later confirmed was him shitting and puking his guts out he's shitting and puking what more do you want me to say he shit his pants he's puking everywhere <laughs> i don't know what more there is to say that's first off good for torts yeah, I thought it was mint. Cause why not? Like, you know what I mean? How would like uh, Maurice Paul Maurice had a situation earlier this year where someone was sick, and he was like, he didn't straight up come and say something like that, but he was like, he's sick as a dog. He's like, do you want to go in his hotel room? I wouldn't suggest it, kind of thing. And I think it was Nikolai Ehlers was sick, and now like Torts just as per usual takes it one step further than fucking Paul Maurice, who we. Ordinarily would be like the most extreme guy in the NHL, but he's not even close because John Tortorella like fucking breaks the mold and is un- is just something else. He tells it like it is. You, you can you can give him that at least. Uh. <laughs> I wish this happened in New York. This would be a much better oh, story boy. in New York. I don't know what to tell you, Brooksy. You ever been to the bathroom, Brooksy? <laughs> you gotta go. You gotta go. You never had the flu, Brooksy. <laughs> um. Yeah, so here was my thought, though, when this happened. Was, do you wonder if, towards saying this, like, do you wonder if he was sick? Oh, 100%. Because the more you do wonder, right? No. Or you believe he, he was sick. You think so? Oh, yeah. 
Part of me wondered if Torts said this to kind of get the whole is he being traded, like just answered it more extreme so that way they'd leave him the fuck alone kind of thing about is he being kept out eh. because of a trade thing. Uh, Torts seems too brash to beat around the bush. Or They're fucking to... trading him, Brooksy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, know what I mean? to tell you. I yeah. got nobody left. I'm not the fucking GM. Why don't you go ask the fucking GM? I don't know what's going on with the trades. I'm just putting the guys on the bench, you know? Listen, you know, you know Yarmo, I'll give, I'll give you his fucking number, Brooksy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I, if if he wasn't sick, I don't think Torch would say he's sick. And the fact that he was sick, I, I, I believe it. I do wonder if he's sick. Why make the trip? But if if he makes the trip and then someone emerges with an offer that wasn't happening before the plane landed, right, now he's in Montreal. Like, if Kekalainen didn't have a call on, what was yesterday, Tuesday morning... Or so, well, it would have been Monday, because they, they wouldn't have traveled Tuesday morning unless they were on a back-to-back, which I don't think they were. So, like, if they fly out Sunday night, and Kekalainen's talking to someone all day Monday, and Tuesday comes, and it's like, I think you might get traded Thursday, like, we might get this done the next few days. You know, Panarin's there. What do you say? Hmm. You know? Yeah. I'm not saying that's what happened, that's what happened but I think it's a very real possibility as well. I think more than, li- more than likely he's sick. But I don't, I'm not as inclined to believe that he's sick as quickly as everyone else was last night, I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you'd like to share a beverage with him, uh, by all means, uh, do so at your own risk. Share a beverage with Panarin? Yeah. Well, see, this is where the hypochondriac in me kicks in, and I I don't like being sick. I'm not like, like our buddy Brody that washes his hands and like... If you share a drink with him, he, like, fucking freaks out about it for days. He'll call you at home and be like, you sure you're not sick, right? How you feeling? Yeah. So, but I, I, I hate being sick. Like, everyone at work is sick right now, and I was, I'll tell you, I was rinsing and scrubbing, like, no tomorrow, those fucking hands today. So, um, yeah. I'm not going to share a drink with Panarin. Okay. But maybe in the future I will. Yeah. When he's a member of the Winnipeg Jets next year when we go down. All right. That'd be, wow. I'd, I'd be in. Sure. Probably not, but... Okay, so the other Tortorella comments that were a result of the Panarin situation was that the Blue Jackets then had to put Anthony Duclair, who's been a healthy scratch lately, in the lineup to fill in for Panarin. And someone asked why Duclair was a healthy scratch going into the game kind of thing. And John Tortorella said, I, uh, bad listening skills, was his answer. And another reporter asked him to elaborate, when you said it's listening with him, is it a matter of being a slow learner or just stubborn? And Tortorella said, Uh, I don't know. Right now, I don't know. If you would ask me that a few weeks ago, um, I don't think he knows how to play. I don't. I, I... It seems to me he's like a player that just feels he can get the puck because he's tremendously skilled, can skate. He has all those things, as you guys know. I just think he thinks he can go do whatever the hell he wants on the ice. He can't do it in the National Hockey League. And, uh, we have spent a lot of time trying to teach him, trying to teach him situational play, uh, away from the puck, all the stuff we do with players. Uh, sometimes it looks like he's understanding uh, so in a round of boy, to answer your question, I don't know. I, I don't know if if he just can't comprehend it or he's just stubborn. But he's running out of time. Yeah, I'm not sure I, I agree with that. 
With Duclair? Like, running out of time. That, that, oh, that okay. sentiment. Yeah. Okay. He's not... Elaborate a bit, not, I would have to say. He's not 20, but as we're seeing with, like, Dylan Strom in Chicago, you don't necessarily have to give up on him at this stage of his career. Like, he's... He's shown flashes. Like, he's... Like, he's a 20-goal scorer. Like, granted, maybe that's a flash in the pan. Maybe that's a one-off season. Hard to do as a rookie, but... Sure, maybe it's maybe it's a one-off. He's, he's got 11 goals this year. He's not getting a ton of ice time, and he's he's still you know at his at his second most productive season offensively. There's still 25 games to go. Uh, you know, I I I, I don't know. Maybe I, I think this might be a situation where he's got a poor attitude. The coach he's working with has a poorer attitude, and it's just not meshing. And and maybe uh, you don't want to say it because he's 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 already on his fourth team, but maybe a change of scenery is best if the coaching See, but isn't it, meshing well with the player. I don't know how many, like I guess when it's on a low end deal, like it's up to you if you want to try to give this opportunity to someone because they have the upside. But like I don't know as a GM when I only have fifty contracts to hand out and there's so many other options of players you can put on your roster especially when there are a lot of teams in the league that are on a budget, why you even bother giving this guy $800,000 to take up a roster spot after a certain point. I'm not saying he's there yet, but I agree with Torts. He's getting close because once you're 24-25 and you really have shown flashes, you're getting to be Robbie Shrimp. Like, you're getting to be Linus Omark. You're getting to be guys that, yeah, it's there, but it's not all there. And I, I do agree with Torts because I don't watch a lot of Columbus. I will confess they might be the team other than, like, the Panthers I've watched the least of this year. What I have seen has been pretty brutal out of Duclair. Now, he's he's obviously very talented. I didn't finish the quote. There was another question um, where another reporter asked if that's a challenge for you or for Duclair kind of thing. I, I love that part of the game, the teaching part of the game. Uh... And as I said right along here, I think it's worth it with him because I think there's a tremendous upside. But here we are again, the fourth team, and another coach pissing and moaning about him, scratching him, benching him. Some, somewhere along the line, I, I think he has to understand, I have to be more attentive, uh, and I have to start uh, being more consistent. Um, so in a roundabout way, I don't know what he is. I thought I was learning him, but I don't know what he is. And I do agree with him because I, I, I don't I don't really know what to make Anthony Duclair anymore either. Now that said, if I'm because I I think he's I don't see him back in Columbus next year. But if he doesn't get dealt at the deadline, uh, it's fifty fifty. I would say, say you're say you're the St. Louis Blues, for example. So uh, uh, <laughs> a line of thought that you can get a get a grip with. And next year he's 24. I guess he will be in like July by then, probably, right? I don't know what his birthday is. in August. Okay, so he'll be turning 24 before the start of next season. If you're the St. Louis Blues and no one signed him come July 10th and you've got a spot where it's like, I don't know who's going to fit here. I don't know if we've got a prospect who's going to grab the spot. Do you sign Duclair? Sure. Sure. For For the right price. Right. Yeah. I think what Torts means, though, is that if the Blues, hypothetically, the Blues sign Duclair to one year 800000 next year, 
that is his last opportunity, I would say. Unless he comes out and scores like 25 goals or something. Or shows sure. more than what he's showing now. But if he shows what he's showing now, which is not much more than what he's shown as in his career, I I think he's got another year, a year and a half, two years left. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like th- this is just right. the, this is just the cutoff line for guys when this happens. Yeah, this happens all the time. Yeah, you know. I mean, like look, look at Patrick Hughes. We just talked about. He well, had a twenty goal rookie season. Yeah, he was not great. Well, I, I, years I, after that, I until think he got to Dallas. And he had that that breakout season, so, sort of. Uh, so what I was going to say, like I do agree with you in in a sense, but I think what Patrick Eves did, because you and I have the benefit, maybe some of our younger listeners don't. Patrick Eves was a not a high end prospect, but when he broke in with Ottawa, everyone was talking about Patrick Eves. Like Patrick Eves looked to be part of the future of the Ottawa Senators, and he didn't end up being that. But what Patrick Eves did, and I would argue a lot of players do, and I don't think Duclair is doing, is a lot of these guys reinvent themselves in order to stay in the league because they have to find a way to do it. Ron Hainsey's a guy. Mm-hmm. Francois Beauchemin's a guy. Um, you know, Patrick Eves is a perfect example. Luke Glenn Denning is another guy. Like, guys that just find a way to get there, be good at something, find a way to stay there. Yeah. And for me, if Duclair can find a way to score... 35 40 points a year he can stay in the league but he needs to contribute more on his own end Mm -hmm. he can't be like he can't be losing them games man like you know what i mean and he has single-handedly probably lost them some games this year like he's had some really brutal giveaways in the third period he had that game in uh in winnipeg where he played 24 seconds and like I don't necessarily think Torch should have gone that extreme by benching him and only playing him for 24 seconds, but the giveaway was pretty fucking blatant and was a lack of effort on his part. Yeah. I'm just saying if, if there's a trend for that all the time, then you're going to have a hard time staying in the league. Sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So, it's an interesting comment. I, I Look, I, I don't love calling guys out in the media, um, but... What I see with a guy with torts, and, you know, I'll give torts a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, which I don't think people do very often. I, I I understand what it's like to be pretty defeated trying to teach someone something, and every single fucking day, like, I've coached hockey, man, I get it. And you think you're getting through, and just every single day it's a step back. I get it. I get sometimes you're frustrated, and, you know, maybe he's trying to light a fire under Duclair's ass. I don't think yeah. that's the way to do it, but... It, it, I don't know, but I do agree with Torts there. I don't know if he was right to do it, but I, I defend to the death he's right to say it. All right, yeah, there you go, there you go. Speaking of maybe being too young to remember things, Joe Thornton is an NHL player, and Joe Thornton made some interesting comments back in 2013. James, yeah, um, probably the moment I became a big Joe Thornton fan. <laughs> Um, yeah, that that turned the tide for me for sure because I was never a huge he Thornton guy, but like, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's he's got this thing growing in his face, and he starts spewing out words about uh, Thomas Hurdle had a four four goal performance. Uh, I think it was his rookie season. Yeah, and uh, he he had been in the league for like two weeks. Yeah, like this and, was like and his he gets sixth called game. out in the media for for celebrating maybe a little too. Enthusiastically after for, the fourth goal. For what it's worth, if I'm if my memory serves me right, because this is six years ago we're talking about, I believe it was like a nine two game. And for what it's worth, it was against Marty Biron. Marty Biron retired immediately after the game. So 
but Hurdle was like celebrating and freaking out because that fourth goal I want to say was the one that made Triple it like eight two or nine two. Yeah, and it was between the legs too, and he celebrated pretty hard. So yeah, so fair enough. People were upset with Hurdle. Kid was having a good time. Yeah, you know, as kids will do. So Joe Thornton, you know, uh, I think he was the captain at the time. He comes out and he addresses the media and he says basically that, you know, I'd be pretty excited if I had a four goal night myself. I've never done it. I think if I did, I'd have my cock out on the ice. Stroking it at center. Is that, oh, okay. was the full quote. Okay. I didn't remember that. But, like, I looked it up, and that's, that he, like, <laughs> I didn't remember the stroking it part. Needless to say, uh, so, Twitter has been on uh, yes. Thornton Watch on, uh, ever uh, since. On Monday night. Monday night? Yeah. Monday night, Joe Thornton had a hat trick um, in a game with, like, seven minutes to go. And he hasn't had a hat trick since 2010. Like, he hasn't, like, basically to put this in perspective, he hasn't had close to four goals in a game since he made those comments. And every now and then you'll see on Twitter people, like, bring it back up. It's like, what I wouldn't give for Joe Thornton to score four goals oh, in a game. And like, He's got two in the second, and so that's as far as it goes. Twitter was, like, that was the best hockey Twitter. Hockey Twitter is 98% I want to die. But like that was a two percent of it is good. Yeah, yeah, that that forty minutes or so there, like when it was even with the two goals, and then he gets the three goals, and I'm like, oh my god! Like I almost put on the game too and everything. <laughs> I was like, this is unbelievable! Like more of this, please, because everyone was wondering, and I'm sure you were wondering, is he gonna do it? Do you think he would do it? <laughs> no, I wouldn't put it past him. It's Joe Thornton. Yeah. I'm, I, <laughs> But no, come on! No, you don't think so? No, he's no, he's a man of his word, James. There's a lot of kids in that building, you know. That's like. true. <laughs> Why are you asking me about Panarin? Didn't you hear what happened in San Jose, Brooksy? You know what? You know what? Joe Thornton would do. He would he would go to center ice and he'd like he'd like he'd start on the hockey this. pants and then he'd skate off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like start on doing the belt. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. He'd yeah. probably do it. He'd probably do it in like the middle of the dressing room or something. After imagine. the game for the boys, you know what oh, I mean, like FTB, but like he's not gonna do it. No, he in can't. front of the it in the Shark Tank. He'd eat alive in the Shark Tank. I I will say this, man. Like it does amaze me. People talk about San Jose. It it amazes me how loud that game gets for a regular or that arena gets for a fuck a regular season game in February against the Boston Bruins. Like that place was roaring. Yeah. It's, it seems pretty good. That's all they got in San Jose, you know? That's that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So are you disappointed? Like, are you living with depression now? That, no. No? Because I know that there's there's no way it's actually going to happen if he had... I just want to see what he would do. Yeah. I just want to know. I think it's one of those... I think it's one of those kind of... We'll it's, never it's, know. It's like, what's in the briefcase of Pulp Fiction? It's just best we don't know. You know? It's just... Mm-hmm. It is what it is. And it, it, it's always going to be a great thing, but it's never going to happen. Hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, another good pop culture mystery. Hmm. Do you ever see Wilson's face in Home Improvement? Uh, two episodes. You do, yes. eh? Yeah. That's disappointing. Hmm. hmm. Where's Fez from? True. That's a good one. Same idea. That's yeah. a good mystery. Yeah. Okay. That's what it is. <laughs> On that note, uh, <laughs> that what, el- what else we got? Oh, God. Fuck, we have a lot, eh? The Carolina Hurricanes are in the news again. Now, I can't remember. We talked about their celebrations at some point. Oh, yeah. Did we? Oh, yeah. Okay. Duck, duck, goose. So, I don't remember. You pro or for? 
or I'm, pro, I'm, pro, pro, or pro. I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah, I. It's. I don't really care. Whatever. I don't. People aren't don't, going to the games in Carolina if it gets people into the building. Like, sure. Here, here's the thing: is like I'm at the point now. I remember liking it at first because I'm like, oh, this is you've never really seen it before. I don't really like it, but it's not for me. Like, it's just they're not doing it for my benefit. I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. I'm definitely fine if they want to do it. It's just like I see the I see it on Twitter and most of them I'm like ah, I don't care. Yeah. But like it doesn't anger me. It does anger some people though. For our listeners, Don Cherry had some comments about this. Yeah. So why are you mad at? All right. Now listen. Let's listen. This is the National Hockey League. Brenda Moore is a good coach. He play. These guys to me are jerks. You have to do this in the National. They're still not drawn. This is to me, and I'll tell you one thing, they better not do this in the playoffs. What I don't understand is Brendan Moore is a street shooter. He always was. This is a joke. The, the rest of the guys, young men expressing themselves for joy of winning. You don't do this thing in the net. It's professional hockey. One of these guys are jerks or something. And I'll tell you one thing. They do this in the playoffs, making fun of the other team. But nobody's out on the ice. The game's over. I admit, I always liked your uh, theory of when you celebrate when you win only. Uh, That's why you like Muhammad Ali, whereas uh, Sugar Leonard did the show. Before. Now, you don't. If you want to do it, do it before. But that that is absolutely ridiculous. I know the rest of the people. I know all the broadcasters and everything are afraid to say something like that. They're jerks doing it. I kind of like it. I know you. (laughs) <laughs> you luck and I the weatherman, you know what I mean? I know what I'm talking about. You never do anything like that. They're still not drawn. They're a bunch of jerks as far as I'm concerned. So the hurricanes are a bunch of jerks. Yeah. And uh they seem to have taken to it. They're they're definitely steering into the skid, so to speak. Um have you ordered your t shirt yet? <laughs> I mean, like here's the funny thing, right? Is like cause I want it I want it I want a shirt. Because I hate Don Cherry. I don't want a shirt because, again, I don't care. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not I'm not rooting for or against the Hurricanes for any reason other than I hate Don Cherry. I don't okay. care about the celebration. I don't support them, nor do I protest against them. Okay. You know? So... It's like Will and Grace. I don't like or hate it. It's just It there. just exists, and I'm okay. fine with that. Alright. I can appreciate it. That's fair. But I'm not a f- super fan or anything. Alright. Okay. So I'm not. I'm probably not going to get a shirt because I hate. But I do hate Don Cherry. I'm. I can't say that enough. All right. Yeah. You getting a shirt? Um, I don't know. Well, we'll we'll see. We'll see if they go deep in the playoffs. Maybe I'll hop on a bandwagon. Yeah. 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 What if? What if they're they play the Leafs in the conference final? Again? I can't yeah. go through that again. Could you imagine? Nine-year-old me will be like having you, flashbacks. You know what the best part is about that? If the Leafs play the Hurricanes in the conference, conference, I can't even say it. I'm so excited. Is like the Hurricanes have the modern-day equivalent of Arthur Zerbe as a goaltender. <laughs> Just this old man, journeyman, fucking flopper of a goalie. God, do I love Curtis McElhaney. I love him. I, I can't do that again because no. it's like, like Jeff O'Neill will still be involved, except like he'll be oh, you know shit. behind the scenes. And, yeah, he'll be cheering yeah. for a different team this time yeah, around. Yeah. I would think he was probably cheering for the Leafs that year, but he just had a job to do, so he did it. You know, <laughs> he's probably streaking down overtime. Oh yeah, fucking! I don't even know. Glenn Wesley's barking. Out, put her on that. Put her on that. Jeff's thinking it's not going to go in. 
That is true. That is classic O-Dog. Yeah. O-Dog has nothing good to say about himself as a player, although he was a pretty good player. Yeah. No, you he know? Was, he was... Former 40-goal scorer. Exactly. He had a bomb. Yeah. I mean, like, that'll happen when you've never seen a meal you don't like, but... Yeah, so I don't know. Hur- hurricanes, like, you don't agree with Don Cherry. Or do you? You said um, you said you don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with celebration. I'm I'm curious to see first off if they do make the playoffs, if they keep it up in the playoffs. I think they will. I I don't see why not. I'm not saying he's right. I respect that, you know, not everyone's going to like this. It's it as you said, it's not for everyone. There's going to be people that love the celebration, there's going to be people that like yourself that just whatever, it's there, it's fine. And there's going to be people that don't like it. And I get that the purists don't like it because, you know, there, there, there was a certain way of winning many years ago when hockey was a different game and a certain way you carry yourself. But like, like the fact that there's no post whistle scrums or like guys getting their head filled in when their goalie gets pushed over anymore. Like, this is another thing that I think is just different about the game now. Like something like this is just fine. And I don't really think that there's a, much of an argument that it's not fine because like, I don't think it's disrespecting the other team when you only do it at home and you do it after they've left the ice like it is your barn you can kind of do whatever you want with it is the way I see it yeah. I, 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 I'm i not saying Don Cherry's completely wrong which I can't fucking believe I'm saying that but has, like, has any team come out and said that they didn't like it I, after they've to my knowledge eaten? I haven't heard anyone say anything about it other than Brian Burke and Don Cherry, and sort of Justin Bourne, but even Justin Bourne didn't say he doesn't like it. He just said it's a weird concept, mm-hmm. which we never got to talk about, but his tweet was that it's just weird to picture, essentially he said it's weird to picture a winning team's locker room where you're talking about all the game plans and this is one of the things that comes up. Yeah. And it's hard to be the guy sitting no. in the corner of the room right. and take it seriously, and I completely agree with that. It's a weird juxtaposition is what it is. But Can you imagine this is all Dougie Hamilton's idea? Oh, <laughs> or or they wanted to do it last year, but he wouldn't let them. Oh, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, he was like in Calgary. He's like, no, no, you gotta wait for me. Mm. You gotta wait for me to get there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm curious to see what kind of like future it has. Like, do other teams start doing this? Do other teams start bitching about it if they make it to the playoffs and they're playing like? Boston is Brad Marchand out there mocking them doing it now you know I I here's here's where I will give Don Cherry a little bit of credit because I I do think there is a real reality to this scenario and basically what you're what you're getting at here wouldn't be shocked if they win game three and do that after game three and then fucking lose like two or three straight and lose a series sure like I wouldn't be surprised if that lights a fire under the opposing team because like they're doing this, and then that other team leaves and flies out of Carolina and doesn't come back for months at a time. Mm-hmm. When you're in a seven-game series, like you are their focus. Yeah. And every single thing you do or say is going to make it back to the other team's locker room. And I've, I'm not sure if I've said it on the podcast before, but you have heard me say this hundreds of times because, again, we've coached hockey together for years. You, are, you never, ever give the other team ammunition. Don't ever give them a reason to need to rally. If they're asleep, let them sleep. Let them sleep through the whole series. Don't wake them up. Mm-hmm. To me, 
there is, I think, a small possibility. And uh, Bruins are, are an interesting comparison because they're a bit of a more like of an old school team. Yeah. I don't know under what scenario the Bruins are playing the Hurricanes <laughs> yeah. in the playoffs, but but that would be a team that would worry me. Like even like a Montreal kind of is a little like they're more of an old school kind of mentality. Yeah. Yeah. They're certainly not new school. Okay, like yeah, could you imagine like going up three three nothing in the series in Carolina and then doing a celebration Shea Weber's got a few choice words yeah. and, you know because like as much as I've disparaged Shea Weber on this podcast I'll give him one thing he's a pretty damn good leader yeah so if Shea Weber has something to say about it he's gonna light a fire again what scenario is Montreal playing yeah <laughs> just, okay who, deep who's, runs. who's the old school guy on Tampa Bay nobody Islanders could they play the Islanders yeah if they get if they're the second wild card but they would would they be the second wild card they could get there. They'd have to catch Montreal, but it's not the out first of the realm. Montreal. Or, yeah, I guess, or Boston, depending. But probably well, Boston's got home ice as it stands. <clears throat> yeah, true. Um, so well, yeah, Herc, yeah, but Herc, I'm not. I'm not sold on Boston. Herc's are three points behind Montreal, so it's huh. realistic. Cool. That well, being said, they're three points out of uh, you know third in their own division. So <laughs> yeah, the Hurricanes could play the Islanders. <laughs> Who's the old school guy in the Islanders? Brendan ah, Witt. Era. Brendan Witt. <laughs> um okay well anyway basically our sentiment is whatever the hurricanes can do whatever the fuck they want kind of thing uh i guess i'll mention this breaking news jakob silverberg has uh extended with the ducks five years five mil sorry five mil per five 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 years 25 total yes sorry (laughs) just to be clear a five-year average annual value all right good good i like it that's fine i think maybe you need someone to play after Corey. It's it's like five hundred thousand more than I would think Silverberg's worth a year. But like, if it's only five hundred thousand, is that really an overpayment? No. I think that's still a good deal. You're fine. So whatever. Yeah. Okay, that was quick. <laughs> good for the Ducks. Good. Nice, nice signing. Good job, Bob Murray. Um, now, I got to queue up Yakety Sacks if you want to start talking about uh, Cam Talbot <laughs> for Anthony Stolarz. Anthony Alex Stolarz. You have Anthony. the goaltender. Ooh shit! Okay, well we're gonna go by Anthony because I think I think I looked it up. Well, um, yeah, I, the guy was gonna get traded anyway, and I I guess if you're a goalie and you want to find somewhere to play hockey, there's no better place to go than for, sunny Philadelphia. For those who are not aware, uh, earlier this week the Edmonton Oilers traded goaltender Cam Talbot to the Philadelphia Flyers. For goaltender Anthony Stolarz, the trade is one for one. Uh, later in the week, the Edmonton Oilers traded forward Ryan Spooner to the Vancouver Canucks for forward Sam Gagne. The trade is one for one. I just realized I was about three days shy of seeing Sam Gagne play. It's too bad. No, Marley. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, too bad. Yeah. Okay, so... Did you... Any thoughts on the Talbot trade? It had to be done. And if, if that's if that's the trade, then that's the trade. Because Talbot wasn't coming back. You were losing him regardless. I think every GM in the league knew that. I think um, the return is a big indication about how little leverage they had in that situation. Exactly. Yeah. Because Anthony Stolarz is almost the equivalent of, of nothing. Because like I'm not I'm not saying he's bad. What I'm saying is is his value to you this year is 
little because you're you're not a very good team. And he needs to play, I think it's 10 of the next 25 games. Otherwise, he's an unrestricted free agent. At which point, he will leave because you've signed Miko Koskinen. Mm-hmm. So, like, more than likely, he's going to play, like, six to eight games and probably leave at the end of the year. Yeah. I, so, I, it's unless, essentially nothing. Unless you just like, package him in a deadline deal. Well, I Maybe mean, you can they may off, flip offload him. him on Vancouver. Again, we kind of alluded to them having some depth. And, yeah, and Van- that. see, that'd be interesting because Vancouver very really, like, in a very real sense could play Stellars. Yeah. The 10 games that he needs to qualify as a restricted free agent. Right. You know what I mean? So, I yeah. don't know. It's, yeah, and it's, it's weird because, like, to me, it's, it's like, you couldn't, you couldn't have got, like, a sixth round pick for, for Tampa, yeah, wouldn't which the would pick probably more, wouldn't have been more value. They have to have some sort of plan for Stellars because that really makes no sense yeah. to me. Like, I, for sure they could have got a draft pick, you would think. Right. The Flyers needed to move a contract. They needed to move a goalie. But, like, I don't understand why... You know what I mean? Shouldn't that give you leverage and then they throw in a pick? Yeah, like, and you know that's I mean? the other thing, like, too. Is like, why, why was Philadelphia the team knocking on the door for Cam Talbot? Well, see, the I, I guess, because I heard this, I, I don't understand how this is a thing, but apparently Carter Hart and Cam Talbot train together. Hmm. So this is like a mentor for Carter Hart sort of situation, and also so they don't have to play Carter Hart into the ground. This year, because even if they even if they keep winning and get back in the playoff race, a they could break Carter Hart, and b like they need to be prepared to play someone else on the second half of back to backs. Like they could break Carter Hart in the short term and the long term. They don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And you need someone who's decent enough to play in net. Cam Talbot is not great, but way better than any other goalie they have other than Carter Hart. Yeah, like their next best goalie is who Neuverth. Elliot, it's probably Neuverth at this point. I think Neuverth's still, still out. So, but you, you, oh, like I yeah, just yeah, mean yeah, in yeah, the yeah. organization. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah. Regardless, Cam Talbot, I, I think it's a good move in a weird sense. I think it's a good move, although the trade is not even. It, it's a good trade for Philly. It meant it's both not teams a, needs. It, sure, yeah. I mean, it gets it gets Cam Talbot the hell out of there and probably keeps him from stewing. And it gives honestly, him a little bit more deadline cashola to play with. Sure, and, sure. Yeah. Um, Sam Gagne for Ryan Spooner. I like it, sort of. I like it in the immediate sense, in that Ryan Spooner was dead weight on the roster. They bring in a player who is for sure going to be more useful for you, because if nothing else, Sam Gagne is a reminder of a player you used to like in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. What I don't love is that Jordan Eberle essentially got traded for a player that they had when they fucking drafted Jordan Eberle. Yeah. <laughs> wow. This is a guy who used to be Jordan Eberle's center. You traded Jordan Eberle for a guy who was basically on the team when you traded Jordan Eberle in a way. Yeah. A guy that you also gave away for free. <laughs> True. <laughs> So the Edmonton Oilers, with the ver- with the f- first very real instance I've seen in a long time of straight up giving away an asset, like just gave it away, I, just in a very roundabout sense. I would love to go and like do some sort of top ten and just look at like 
10 instances where a guy gets oh, traded we for a guy that's on his team. <laughs> sure, if like that would take months to do it, but maybe we'll do it in the summer if we if we have a, a chance. Wow. I don't know, man. Like I I think it's good now, but it's just fucked to think about that's what happened. Like Everly, you, like we can do better than Everly is what they thought, and like now we're at the point where it's like the guy that wasn't even good enough to be on your team years ago is now back, despite being in a fucking American Hockey League game a week ago. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I will say this good for Sam Gagne because I think I think this is going to help revitalize his career a bit. I yeah, could be okay. wrong, yeah. But like Sam Gagne played his best hockey for the most part as a member of the Edmonton Oilers. He was pretty good in Columbus, but I think this is good. Yeah, he loved Edmonton. He wanted to be in Edmonton. Edmonton didn't want him, so he left. The only problem here is that all that uh, free deadline cashola they just freed up with Talbot <laughs> is now being spent to pay Sam Gagne. So, yeah, that's in true. a sense, Sam Gagne is their deadline pickup. Which, arguably, is probably better than any deadline pickup they would have made anyway. Uh, so More than likely. Yeah, so good for them. Um, uh, you got anything else on Edmonton there? I hope not. No. Um, one more discussion we wanted to have, and you are a St. Louis Blues guy, so we're going to get to this, and, and then we'll get to our top ten, which I think is an interesting top ten. It's a fun one this week. I like it. Um, Jordan Bennington has obviously been incredible. I, I don't know if you have his current stats, because I remember what they were going into last night, but I'm not sure how last night affects them too much. Yeah. He uh, currently sits 13-1-1 on the season. Oh, yeah, they won last night. With a <laughs> 9.37 save percentage and uh, a 1.61 goals against average. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the way I posed the question is, is he just Andrew Hammond in disguise? Now, I'm going to say something just to kind of just so you're aware of what I meant by that. I, I'm aware Jordan Biddington is probably a better goaltender than Andrew Hammond was. I'm just curious, do you buy him being this good? This level of good? What level of good is he? Because, like, I had a chance to watch him last night. He looks pretty darn good to me. Um, But how good is he, do you think? Yeah, I don't know. Like, you can't honestly, first off, you can't honestly think he's this good. I don't think anyone thinks he's this good. It'd be no. crazy. I mean, like, he's going to regress regardless. There's no he's, way he's going to post a career nine, 9.37 yeah, in like, 500 games. His, his best his best games have been phenomenal. His bad games haven't been bad enough, like, to the point where, like, the Blues as a whole, like, as, as a team, are just on a different level right now. Like, everybody's clicking, and it's, it's not mm. going to last... But just for right now, it is. And so when, when Biddington's not playing great, there's enough going on in front of him mm-hmm. that the job gets done, which just helps him. Oh, that's another win. You know? Oh, your defense bailed you out. They only allowed 20 shots tonight. It's, it's going to be easy to win games when you're only you know, facing 20 shots. Then there's nights where the Blues aren't as good in front of him. And he just steps up, and he has a good game. And he had a, he's got, he had back-to-back shutouts going in. Like, what? He didn't allow a goal against the Leafs till the third period. So he came close no, to and, going and three games in a row. Really, because I know you were working last night, so I don't know how much you actually saw the game, but you could make the argument he was very close to another shutout last night because the Hyman goal hit the back of Bennington's yeah, pad. Right. Bennington's Matthews. fault, but like very easily could have not gone in. Yeah. Matthew's goal hit his foot and went in the net. Yeah. Like, the Leafs didn't actually shoot the puck straight into the net. Mm-hmm. Last night, it had to hit something awkwardly and bounce in. Yeah. So, 
I I think he's look he's he's by and far the starter for the rest of the year. Like this this is his this is his team now. Like uh, playoffs or bust. Like at this point, they're oh it's not even close. They're chasing down Nashville at this uh, point. Uh, unless he gets ridiculous. pulled four of six starts over the next couple weeks. Yeah, so it's not he's for sure. The fucking other goalie's Jake Allen, man. Yeah, I've watched Jake Allen enough for and I'm, I'm over that. For and that's sure. where you know that this is again something that's going on with the team because Jake Allen just had a shutout. Like, well, to me, to me, what I think this is is a byproduct of the fact that now you know you have a goaltender you can have some confidence in. I think the team has more confidence in themselves because they know they can play a little bit looser now, and that they have someone who can bail them out at the other end. Like, I think what they are now is is honestly what they kind of were all along. But they needed Jordan Bennington to come in and kind of tell them that they can be themselves. And it's okay to be yourself. You know what I mean? Like, they needed this guy to come in and give them that support. He's there. He's playing well. I do think Bennington is more a byproduct of the Blues than the Blues are a byproduct of Bennington. But I think this all sort of goes hand in hand. And it's impossible for it not to be the case, I think, because there's no way you win, what, are they at 11 in a row? 11. 11 games in a row without it being a lot of things going right at the right time. Because even the best teams struggle to win 11 games in a row. Yeah. You know what I mean? Philadelphia had this run earlier this year, but it was Carter Hart playing well and the Flyers playing well. It was everyone playing well. Mm -hmm. You can't Mm -hmm. win 11 in a row with a shitty goaltender or bad offense it's just not the way it works yeah so i don't know like again it's his team this season it's gonna probably be his team next season bearing some sort of off-season acquisition um he leaves (laughs) (laughs) but no he's he's not a what what is he like a a 94 percent win win percent like goalie he's he's gonna come back to reality okay he what, could be very good. What is your interpretation? Like, this is early. There's no wrong answer. What's your interpretation of his Like, what kind of goalie are we looking at, though? Like, is this a guy, do you think, that is just a late bloomer and we're going to see, like, a Tim Thomas sort of run, except even though he's, like, 10 years younger than when Tim Thomas did everything? Is this going to be a guy that is, like, now going to be one of the best goalies in the league and it's just going to carry on? Or is it Andrew Hammond? Or is this a guy who's, like, maybe a third-string goalie in a couple years again? Yeah. Because he was just a third string goalie like a month ago. Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, well, longer he, than he's that, like goalies. They they do take longer to develop. Um, he's twenty five now. Yeah, it's tough. Like I I don't see him as being, you know, like he's he's not going to be a Vesna candidate next year. He's not going to be this Devin Dubnik story where this guy just kind of you know comes out of no. nowhere and no, I I think he's going to be a steady starting goaltender uh, starting goaltender for the next couple seasons. And so what is he like a nine ten nine thirteen guy? Yeah, yeah. Nine, 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 10, 9, 12, something like that. Um, I can see him holding down the starters job for a few seasons in St. Louis. Um, he'll pit free agency. Someone will come out, offer him some big contract based on what he did this year. And see, it sucks just, because we can't we can't say that team's the Flyers anymore. Probably, yeah, it's true. Isn't that sad? It is. Who's the team now that is just going to throw money at goaltenders? Who's who's the Flyers runner up? Like who's the Flyers ugly brother that just tried to has just never ooh the Dallas Stars. Yeah, maybe. Cuz Ben Bishop's fine, but his hips won't be in a few years. Yeah, he's not he's not he's not on the first half of his career, I'll no. tell you that right now. No, no sir. Okay. Well, uh one Carolina. thing the last thing we were maybe 
be a, you can go be a jerk. You can go jerk off. Jesus Christ. Uh, the one thing I wanted to add, we'll, we'll do this in a quick 30 seconds. Uh, Dennis Chalowski of the Detroit Red Wings was scratched last Thursday night, I think it was, yeah. on Dennis Chalowski bobblehead night. Ah. 8,500 bobbleheads of Dennis Chalowski got handed out. Dennis Chalowski was not in the lineup. Do you think he got Go Red Wings. a bobblehead? I, ho- I hope so. Because probably he had to buy his own ticket, right? So he went in the front door like everyone else. <laughs> Do you think his family all showed up for oh, bobblehead night? Fuck. And they all got these bobbleheads and could, they didn't play? Could you imagine if like he sat with his family in reg- like regular seats because he's not playing and they've all got his bobblehead and like some asshole leans over? Hey, you guys get a load of this bobblehead? Who the fuck's this guy? Am I right? Hey, you look a lot like the guy in the bobblehead. You look like Dennis Chilikuski. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Top ten. Top ten. Top ten. So we did a fun one this week. This might take a little bit of time, but we'll we'll try to breeze through it as quick as we can. Um, we're going to open up some wormholes here for sure. And, you know, we're going to do probably a similar exercise, I would think, during the summer, during downtime, and go through, like, some interesting hockey facts and, and go through some hockey history and things like that. But what we decided to do in the spirit of the trade deadline this week was we would go over the last ten deadlines and talk about maybe... Two, three, four of the most notable deals of those deadlines. I guess I, I, I will go in chronological order. That would be the best. So yes. I would start that. Alphabetical I guess. might be difficult to follow. Yes. <laughs> 2008 comes before Well, 9, nine starts with an N. 8 <laughs> an E. So, okay. Uh, so 2009, here's what I came up with. I had three. It was a down year. It was a slow year. Not a lot of big deals. Um... So the first trade I noted was the Anaheim Ducks traded Chris Kunitz and Eric Tangrady to the Pittsburgh Penguins for Ryan Whitney. Uh, Kunitz had 18 points in 20 games, 14 points in 24 playoff games. The Penguins won the Stanley Cup. And Kunitz went on to score 388 points in 569 games with the Penguins. Ryan Whitney played 82 games for the Ducks, uh, including a second round exit. In the 2009 playoffs. Uh, we got the Islanders traded Bill Guerin to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a conditional pick. Then ended up being a third round pick. The Islanders traded that pick to the Coyotes for a 2010 third rounder. The Coyotes drafted goaltender Mike Lee. The Islanders drafted Jason Clark. Bill Guerin won a Stanley Cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And uh, the Carolina Hurricanes traded Justin Williams to the Los Angeles Kings. For Patrick O'Sullivan and a second round pick. Now interestingly enough. Because I do like that trade for the Kings. Because obviously Williams won a cup with the Kings too. Won a Conn Smythe trophy with the Kings. It wasn't all that bad for Carolina. Because the second round pick was used to draft Brian Dumoulin. Who was a key piece in the Jordan Stahl trade. And I don't know if they get Jordan Stahl without Brian Dumoulin. Hmm. So it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, Yeah. And then O'Sullivan was later flipped that day to the Oilers. So go. he didn't never even played for the Hurricanes. There you go. So there I you go. Uh, I focused on the one trade from each of my years. Sure, but that's I, fine. I added a little bit more detail. Sure. Um, so from 2010, it's it's funny that you mentioned the Chris Kunitz trade because it's it's kind of follows this. Uh, so in 2010, the Edmonton Oilers sent defenseman Lubomir Visnovsky <laughs> to the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for defenseman Ryan Whitney. And a 2010 sixth round pick. 
Uh, Vishnovsky uh, renewed his career in Anaheim with a career-high 68-point season the next year. Uh, the Ducks were able to flip him in 2012 for a draft pick. Uh, they avoid any uh, you know long-term uh, cap implications. They get an older player off their roster. Uh, they send to Long Island. Uh, the pick didn't really ever pan out, but you know whatever. You avoid some cap problems. Um, Whitney never really lived up to his potential um, at Edmonton, and he was out of the league uh, by 2014. And the draft pick used in uh, 2010 was used to select 162nd overall defenseman Bra- Brandon Davidson. Oh, nice. Who has just kind of middled around as a 7th defenseman his entire career. So True. Yeah. Yeah, That's 2010. Go. Uh, 2011 was a busy year. I got, uh, I got a few here. We got... Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs trade defenseman Francois Beauchemin to the Anaheim Ducks for forward Joffrey Lupel and defenseman Jake Gardner. Uh, Gardner has played 545 games for the Toronto Maple Leafs, made an impact almost immediately from getting traded there. Joffrey Lupel also had 188 points in 280 games for the Toronto Maple Leafs, including 103 points in his first 110 games. Uh, Beauchemin's return to Anaheim was average at best. Yeah. Um, Nashville acquired forward Mike Fisher from the Ottawa Senators for a first-round pick in 2011, who the Senators used to draft Stefan Nazan, and a conditional pick in 2012 that ended up being a third-round pick that they used to pick Gerard Maidens. Sure. Sure. Iron Maidens. Uh, the, the, uh, possibly the worst trade of the deadline, although I will get to a move made by the Leafs later. Uh, the, Anna, uh, the Atlanta Thrashers traded forward Rich Peverly and defenseman Boris Volabic, uh to the Boston Bruins for defenseman Mark Stewart and forward Blake Wheeler. Although Peverly was a semi-important part of the 2011 Stanley Cup win, Blake Wheeler is now obviously the captain of the Winnipeg Jets while Mark Stewart played 389 games for the, for the franchise. <laughs> Boris, <laughs> my back, Bo- Bo- Boris. <laughs> um, speak. Speaking of of Czech defensemen, uh, the Leafs traded defenseman Thomas Caberlet to the Boston Bruins for Joe Colborn, a first round pick in 2011, and a conditional pick in 2012. Now. Of all the Leafs rabbit holes, because as a Leaf fan, I'm familiar with a lot of their blunders, I didn't know about this one. Okay. Um, the conditional pick turned out to be virtually nothing. The first round pick was flipped. That pick was 30th overall. <laughs> and the Leafs traded it and the 39th pick in the draft yeah. to Anaheim for 22nd overall. Uh-huh. The Leafs picked Tyler Biggs uh-huh. while the Ducks picked... Ricard Raquel at 30th, and John Gibson at 39th overall. Thomas Caberlet won a cup with Boston. The, the Leafs have not won a cup with Tyler Biggs. The Los Angeles Kings acquired forward Dustin Penner from Edmonton for defenseman Colton Tubert, a 2011 first-round pick, and a 2012 third-round pick. The first-round pick the Oilers used to select Oscar Clefbaum. Dustin Penner had 37 points in 117 playoff games, although he did win a Stanley Cup with the Kings in 2012. So, not the best trade. And uh, also, if you're looking for a frame of reference, that was also the deadline where Shattenkirk plus got traded for Eric Johnson, plus Ah. St. Louis and Colorado. 
Very nice. Nah, it was. I honestly, I think that deal's a wash. Looking back on it, because it was like Chris Stewart was involved, and I don't remember who else, but like I looked at everything, it, it was a wash. Hmm. No Titan. I don't think a team won that trade. Yeah. But, yeah. We will get back to Shattenkirk later, though. I can't. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine we won't. <laughs> All right. So 2012. What happened 2012, buddy? Um, the Nashville Predators, who uh, were having quite the season, thought, you know, we, we need a fourth line centerman, so they went out and they got Paul Gostead from the Buffalo Sabers, uh, along with a fourth round pick the next year in 2013 going back to buffalo was nashville's first round pick that year in 2012 Jesus fuck. so holy while i recall this being just a deadline rental ghosted would go on to spend another four years with nashville so you know nice little run there so preds got some value out of that the fourth round pick uh from buffalo ended up being uc saros who is uh, obviously the uh, heir apparent in net for the oh, uh, Nashville Predators. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The Sabres uh, end up flipping Nashville's first-round pick and their own second on the draft floor to Calgary in order to move up to 14th and select Zemgis Gergis. Oh, man. So Calgary uses that oh, uh, first-round pick to draft Mark Jankowski, 21st overall. Huh. So, in essence, Paul Gostad got traded for, like, picks that were flipped to draft more Paul Gostads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the league got two more Paul Gostads out of Paul Gostad. Yeah. Well, good for You're us. Not wrong. Uh, 2013, the Calgary Flames trade forward Jerome McGinnlet of the Pittsburgh Penguins for a 2013 first-round pick, which was used to select Morgan Klimchuk, uh, Kenny Agostino, and Ben Hanowski. Again, I had 11 points in 13 regular season games and 12 points in 15 playoff games. Uh, Morgan Klimchuk, Kenny Agostino, and Ben Hanowski combined for 27 games played for the Calgary Flames. Nice. In 2013, the Sharks also traded, or sorry, the Sharks traded uh, defenseman Douglas Murray to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a second round pick in 2013 and a second round pick in 2014. The 2013 pick was traded to the Red Wings along with 20th overall for the 18th overall pick. The Sharks picked Mirko Mueller 18th overall. The Red Wings picked Anthony Mantha 20th overall. Hmm. And Tyler Bertuzzi 58th overall. Uh, The Sharks used the other pick they got to select Noah Rod. Nice. Of Swiss World Junior Team fan. Uh, a couple more deals. The Blues acquired defenseman Jay Bomeister for defenseman Mark Kanderi, uh, goaltender Rito Berra, and a first-round pick in 2013 that the Flames used to draft Emile Poirier. And then I, what I will say is most likely the most interesting deal that we're going to go through in my rabbit holes is the Rangers acquired forward Ryan Clough from the San Jose Sharks for a 2013 second-round pick that the Sharks used to select Gabriel Baquin Boudreau. A 2013 third overall pick, later traded for Rafi Torres, who was supposed to be a cheaper Ryan Clough replacement, mm, yes. which we'll get to in a minute. And a conditional 2014 second round pick that ended up becoming a fifth that the Sharks used to draft Rourke Chartier. Now, it could be one of the biggest trade trade deadline deals I've ever seen to become inconsequential. Because Clough ended up playing just 68 more games in the NHL total, including only 12 season and two playoff games for the Rangers. Torres, who was supposed to be the cheaper replacement for Clough, 
played just 16 regular season games and 12 playoff games for the Sharks. He missed an entire season with an injury and also ended up getting suspended for 41 games for a hit on Jakob Silverberg, who we mentioned earlier Mm. in the podcast. The new money man. So, basically, that trade was useless for everyone involved. Alright. Including Jakob Silverberg. Nice. Yeah. Alright, to 2014 we go. Sick. Uh, and this one's a doozy. There's a few implications in this one. So, uh, to start things off, uh, the Los Angeles Kings acquired Marion Gabrick from the <laughs> Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh, nice. The Kings, of course, would go on to win the Stanley Cup. They're second in three seasons. Uh, Gabrick would uh, have 16 points in the remaining 19 regular season games down the stretch. And he'd lead all Kings forwards in goals with 14 in the playoffs. Uh, He would spend another three and a half injury-plagued seasons in L.A. before being flipped to Ottawa, along with Nick Shore for Dion Phaneuf and Nate Thompson, who, of course, was just traded last week to the Montreal Canadiens for a pair of draft picks. On the other side of this, going to Columbus uh, was forward Matt Fratton, uh, a 2015 second-round pick, and a 2014 third-round pick. Uh, Fratton would play four games in Columbus, uh, and then after that, another seven with the Leafs the following season, and that was all she wrote for Matt Fratton in the NHL. Um, Please tell me the pick ended up being Sonny Milano. uh, No, the the pick was not Sonny Milano. Uh, The uh, third-round pick uh, was originally Edmonton's. Uh, It was traded to Detroit at the draft for Detroit's third-rounders in 2014, and 2015. Uh, the 2014 third-round pick would never play in the NHL, but the Blue Jackets did send the 2015 third-rounder from Detroit, along with James Wisniewski to Anaheim, in exchange for Rene Bork, um, a second-round pick in 2015 that would become Kevin Stenland, and a little-known winger called William Carlson, who would go on to score 40 goals for the Vegas Golden Knights. You know what? That's funny. I almost brought up that trade in my 2015 uh, deadline. Nice. That I was gonna, yeah, but I didn't I didn't end up going for it. The 2015 second rounder uh, would later be flipped to the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, used to select 34th overall defenseman Travis Dermott. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I'm about to talk about that pick. Um, <laughs> Toronto traded uh, forward David Clarkson to Columbus for forward Nathan Horton, our favorite Leaf trade of all time. Yes. Uh, Chicago acquired defense... Or, sorry, this is 2015. Chicago acquired defenseman Kimo Timonen from the Philadelphia Flyers for a 2015 second round pick. And then and dragged his body oh, around the ice. God, did they ever. I'm about <laughs> to get to that. And a 2016 fourth round pick. The Flyers later traded that second-round pick along with 29th overall to the Toronto Maple Leafs for 24th overall. The Flyers used that pick to select forward Travis Konechny. Nice. So, teaming in for Konechny, and I'll get there. Uh, The Leafs, for what it's worth, flipped the 29th overall for a second-round pick, used to pick defenseman Travis Dermott. Um, The other pick was also Jeremy Bracco. Nice. Uh, Teaming in had zero points in 16 games. And zero points in 18 playoff games, but did win a Stanley Cup. Uh, this was also, this is a big one, uh, the Rangers acquired defenseman Keith Yandel, defenseman Chris Summers, and a 2016 fourth round pick, uh, used to select Tarmo Runinen for what it's worth, and uh, from the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for defenseman John Moore, forward Anthony Duclair, uh, a 2016 first round pick, and a 2015 second round pick. The first round pick, 20th overall 
was later traded to the Red Wings to select, mentioned on this podcast, Dennis Chalowski, uh, along with 53rd overall Philip Hronick and Joe Vitale, in exchange for the 16th overall pick and the contract of Pavel Datsuk, the Coyotes selected defenseman Jacob Chikrin with that 16th overall pick. The 2015 second rounder was later traded to Calgary and used to select Oliver Shillington for Calgary. Uh, the Coyotes got 76th overall in that draft. They used it on Aiden Hill. And 83rd overall, they used it on Jens Lukey. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh. Sure. But Aiden Hill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Lightning acquired defenseman Braden Coburn from the Philadelphia Flyers in exchange for defenseman Radko Gudis, a 2015 first-round pick. The 29th overall that was later flipped to draft Travis Konechny. And that that pick got around. And uh, a 2015 third round pick, Matthijs Tomek. The Wild acquired forward Chris Stewart from Buffalo in exchange for a 2017 second round pick. The Sabres used to select that pick. Uko Pekka Lukonen, the future goaltender of their franchise. Nice. So... It is interesting. There you go. It is interesting. All right, so uh, I like this. this is like a big book report about yeah, hockey. A little uh, bit trade deadlines. Before we get to what my favorite trade is in 2018, uh, we have to go through a bit of a dud in 2016. This nice. was a this was a bad deadline. There really weren't a lot of Chris Gratton. A lot of a lot for of the, Mike Ricci. Yeah, a lot of the trades were done well in advance of the deadline. But uh, in any case, this is the best I could do. So my apologies. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers acquired forward Patrick Maroon from the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for Martin Gurnat. Yep. Uh, and Unfamiliar. a 2016 fourth round pick. Uh, this was one of four deals done by Anaheim on deadline day. This was by far the most interesting. Um, Maroon would find chemistry with McDavid the next year with 27 goals uh, and would be flipped exactly one year later at tw- 2017 deadline. To New Jersey in exchange for New Jersey's third round pick uh, in this upcoming draft. Uh, Maroon is now currently with his hometown St. Louis Blues as they continue to destroy the rest of the National Hockey League Jesus on their Christ. way to the Stanley Cup. Uh, Gurnat never played. Um, he signed in the Czech League immediately following the 2016 season. And the Ducks used the fourth round pick to draft Jack Kopaka, 93rd overall. Uh, he is currently a 20-year-old with the San Diego Gulls of the American Hockey League. San Diego, eh? Sounds nice. Yeah. Manny Machado, we should have talked about that today. Um, in 2017, the Los Angeles Kings, speaking of San, San Diego, we're going to go out to California. The Kings acquire goaltender Ben Bishop and a 2017 fifth-round pick that the Kings used to draft Drake Rimsha from the Tampa Bay Lightning in exchange for goaltender Peter Budai defenseman Eric Chernak, and a 2017 7th round pick, Wyatt Kalniak, and a conditional pick that was not exercised. Uh, the Ottawa Senators traded forward Curtis Lazar and defenseman Mike Koska to the Calgary Flames in exchange for Yerky Yokopaka and a 2nd round pick. This may hurt Flames fans. That 2nd round pick, the Senators used to select Alex Formanton. <laughs> oh boy. Could have used that pick. Um, the Wild acquired forward Martin Hansel, forward Ryan White, and a 2017 fourth-round pick Mason, uh, used to select Mason Shaw from the Coyotes in exchange for a 2017 first-round pick that the Coyotes used to select Pierre-Olivier Joseph 
2018 second round pick that they used to select Kevin Ball. And a uh, 2019 conditional pick, which is a fourth rounder because the Wild lost in the first round of that that playoff. Uh, The Senators acquired forward Alex Burrows from Vancouver in exchange for forward Jonathan Dolan. And the Capitol... Now, this is an interesting one to revisit because it it involves your St. Louis Blues. And how... uh, Well, how that Shattenkirk deal actually ended up shaken out for them. Uh, The Capitals acquired defenseman Kevin Shattenkirk, goaltender Phoenix Copley, from the St. Louis Blues, in exchange for forward Zach Sanford, forward Brad Malone, a 2017 first-round pick, and a conditional draft pick in 2019 that they will not get. Um, The 2017 first-round pick was later traded for Braden Shen. Now, what's interesting about that is the... Flyers drafted Morgan Frost with that draft pick. Uh, And a conditional 2018 pick is what they also acquired with Shen. That the Blue... Or sorry, for Shen. That the Blues used to select Joel Farabee. Hmm. Joel Farabee. Hmm. So. Right on. Joel Farabee. Nice. There you go. Um, Alright, 2018. Last last year's deadline. Let's Mm. get it. Let's end on a positive note. We're going to talk about my St. Louis Blues. What do you got? And your Winnipeg Jets. <sighs> so, Winnipeg Jets acquire centerman Paul Stasny from the St. Louis Blues at the 2018 deadline in exchange for Eric Foley, a 2018 conditional first, and a 2020 fourth round pick. The uh, Winnipeg Jets uh, added Stasny to uh, what was already a very formidable offense. Uh, helping them reach the conference finals of last year's playoffs. Uh, He would then go on to sign a big three-year, $19.5 million contract with the team that defeated them in said conference finals in Vegas. Uh, Foley remains in the blue system, uh, promising college standouts, and at 21, we'll have to wait and see how this deal shakes down for them. Sean Reed Foley? Yeah, that's the one. Nice. Uh, The 2024th round pick is obviously to be determined. Uh, 2018, the Winnipeg Jets' first-round pick that they got, or that they sent to St. Louis, sorry, uh, was flipped by St. Louis to Toronto on the draft floor, along with a third-rounder of the same draft, uh, just so St. Louis could move up four spots and pick Dominic Bach from the Swedish Hockey League. The Leafs would use the 29th overall pick to draft defenseman Rasmus Sandin, and they would use the third-round pick to draft forward Semyon der Agostjevchev. Oh, shit, SDA. Yeah. Um, you know what's fun is, I, I hate to make fun of 18-year-old kids, but doesn't Dominic Bach just sound like a bust? Yeah, no, Like, definitely. there's just never been a Bach in no, the league. it's, yeah. It's... Sebastian Bach. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's 2018. That's 2018. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, 2019 brings us many, many more mistakes. Uh, okay, so that... <laughs> That's the that's the show for this week. Um, we're hoping for a happy and healthy trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Hoping all of our favorite stars get traded. Well, not all of them. Just the ones on the Senators. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, Clomper, Pocket Casts. Wherever you like to listen to uh, your favorite Garbage. Yeah, pretty much wherever you're already listening to us. Yeah. Um, keep doing that. Yeah. Seems you're working. Okay. So. Uh, we are, we're back to normal. 
next week. This is the first week where we don't have like a new episode to plug or anything. We, as far as we know, will be out next Friday, as per usual. And we're back on our regular flow for now. Uh, there is a week in March where we might be out early. Uh, we'll let you know closer to the date. Other than that, enjoy the Oscars. That's it. Enjoy the, oh yeah, shit, yeah. the Academy Awards. Uh, hopefully you listen to our bonus episode. If not, there's still time to go back and listen to it because uh, it's still current for the next few days. Yeah. Until everything happens on Sunday and then we're going to sound like idiots come Monday. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Can't wait till Mary Queen of Scots wins every award. <laughs> Starring Helen Mirren and Meryl Streep. Nice. Okay. I'm good. You good? I'm good. I'm good. All right. Okay. All right. See you later. The ocean called. They're running out of shrimp. <laughs> oh yeah, Riley. <laughs> well, the jerk store called. They're running out of you. <laughs> What's the difference? You're their all-time bestseller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I had sex with your wife. <laughs> His wife is in a coma.